Wars All In is a community of fans for all things Star Wars. We want to share our fandom with you, and we'd love for you to share yours with us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Star Wars All In. Also, search on Facebook to join in the conversation with our private group. We would love to hear from you. in Star Wars land, it's time for Star Wars All In, where we get all in and all the details of Star Wars one topic at a time. Hi, I'm your host, Mac, and I'm joined with my co-host, Ross. Roger, Roger. And we're going to be talking about uh, some topics today, including uh, battle droids, right, Ross? Roger, Roger. Okay, and and that's not all. We, we have a the, the sizable thing about battle droids, but we're going to start off by talking about the rancor fight. What do you think about that, Ross? Roger, Roger. Okay, yes. And uh, not only that, we're going to go from the rancor fight, we're going to talk about battle droids, and then we're going to talk about Yoda's other house, which is pretty interesting, right? Roger, Roger. So. So join us, won't you, as we go in and we look at three new topics here in Star Wars. Uh, again, they're both kind of short and sweet. All three of them kind of short and sweet. We really hope you enjoy them here in our only second episode. So I'm really excited about it. I'm glad you're going to join us. Ross, do you have anything to say anyway? Roger, Roger. And with that, let's get to our first topic. Bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. Oh no! The Rancor! Hello, all my fellow Rancor Keepers. Welcome back to Star Wars All In. <laughs> This is Ross, and today we have a really exciting topic to discuss. Mac, are you excited to talk about the fight between Luke Skywalker and the Rancor in the bowels of Jabba's palace? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah, you, you like that? Do you like that part of... Um, well, I, that particular as we film? build the character of me in the audience's mind, we have to remember that I've seen Return of the Jedi entirely too many times. Like, so many that I am exhausted by certain parts of it. This one, I probably wouldn't. This is one that I definitely watched a lot. I probably watched about half the times through, like, through my fingers as I wa- closed my eyes. Because I thought, especially when the Gamorrean Gargoyles eaten, I found that pretty disturbing as a kid. Yeah. You know, as scared as I was of things like the Wampa and Darth Vader and in that uh, meal scene, you know, the trap at Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Uh, this didn't really scare me, and I was pretty much the same age uh, when I saw all three of the original trilogy films for the first time. I was about five, close to six years old, so uh, pretty young. And this one, for whatever reason, it, it didn't spook me as much. I was more scared by... Uh, the other creatures that we saw there in Jabba's palace. I was much more scared of falling into the Sarlacc pit than I was the huh. Rancor. I think the thing about the Ran- Rancor fight scene that made it more disturbing for me as a kid, because I was kind of sensitive this way, was it was the fact that there was so much um, mismatched emotions that, like, as a kid, I couldn't understand. So there's the horror of this terrifying monster, mm-hmm. and it's even eating a guy. 
And like his quote unquote friends or coworkers are like laughing and, and enjoying this like blood sport. And I think that screwed me up more than. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I could see that this blood Well, just because as a kid, I'm like, that guy's in trouble. Why are you laughing at him? He's, yeah. you should help him out. Like, yeah. He looks just like you. He's another Gamorrean, right? They don't, they don't really seem to care about each other. I mean, just no. a moment ago, two of them got choked out by Luke and. No one seems to be too mad about that. They seem pretty disposable. So when Jubnuck falls in there, yeah, we, we <laughs> pretty much know. Apparently that's his name. Yeah, okay, Jubnuck. Jubnuck. I did not know I that. I didn't catch that in research. Oh, okay. boy, I do love the internet, though, because I did not have to pull any books off my bookshelf to find that one. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, no, no. So the Jubnuck, who, uh, who gave us the proof that rankers like ham. <laughs> Is a Gamorrean guard ham? I, I mean, mean can, we, can, we, can we assume that... Does anybody eat Gamorrean guards? Does Jabba eat the Gamorreans? I don't know. He eats all oh, kinds Rancor of other does. things. We know he eats living stuff, so... Yeah, that's also true. found that disturbing when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. All that slime around his mouth maybe grossed me out more uh, than anything. Yeah, I really wish we would see more slime from Jabba in other appearances. All right, really so, never got it. So let, let's set the scene here a little bit. So... Luke has come to negotiate for the release of Han Solo um, after sending his emissaries of the droids who were just captured. And after uh, Leia coming in as a bounty hunter, they, they go to plan C. Lots of failing here. Lots uh, of they, failing early on. But what but, I don't understand is, okay. But Luke, people who like Le- Last Jedi know that that's not one of the themes of Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, Never no. I've seen they, that one before, before yeah. 2018, huh? Yeah, 2017. So, yeah, they, so they screwed it up, up like twice at least, sort of. Again, there's there's a there, there's a weird thing where you don't know how much is Luke's overall setup to plan to get this done, yeah. and how much it is them screwing up. Yeah, like how is going for the blaster the best plan? Just bring the yeah. lightsaber in with you. You know, it's not like they put you through a metal detector when you walk through the door. Especially considering when you trick your way through the door. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so Luke does not have a successful conversation. I'm sure we'll talk about this in more detail in the future. I'd love to talk about Luke's plan for an hour. But for now, the floor opens up. All of a sudden, 3 PO's screaming. Everybody's cheering. And Luke is following along with Jubnub. And, uh, well, there is something scary down here. We haven't seen it yet. We've only heard it. Yeah, so we fall into this big cavernous space that's underneath the dance floor of Jabba's main audience hall. And Jabba's throne is slid into place over top of the hole so that no one can escape back up the hatch that they drop down. This is also where we get to see where Lando kind of reveals, like, with a wink and a nod to Princess Leia, who is a slave girl on the pedestal right now, that, like, hey, there's a plan. I I don't know if Luke falling down there's part of it, but we have a plan, Shrug? And so, Best intentions, Lando. And so, like, Luke turns around to see this massive metal door with these, like, you know, portocollis teeth at the bottom yep. raise Which, up. The sounds here, I love. Mm-hmm. The sound design of this scene, that door, the creaking and clanking. <laughs> yeah. As it moves slower than you'd think for how fast it's going to fall later. I do like that. Yeah. You know, we'll get to that. It's a heavy door. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, you hear the rancor, you know, start to move. and Yeah, yeah. you hear and those guttural growls. noises. And, and then you just see these beady little pinpoints yeah. of eyes mm-hmm. as it slowly lumbers its way into kind of the light. And we kind of see the full breadth of it. Meanwhile, Jubnuck is like freaking out, making squealing noise, like cl- cl- <laughs> grasping at some little window that... Even if it was open, I don't think he could fit through it. So I don't yeah, know what he's going through his head. Weird, he's like, just freaking out. Yeah, it's at an odd angle. It seems like maybe a tunnel with a weird gate over it. I don't know. Some sort of air hole. I don't yeah, know. You would think one of his coworkers, like you said, would let him out here, but nope. And so Luke, you can see he's sweating a little bit of like, oh, no, didn't plan for this particular thing (laughs) as the the Rancor comes out. And one of the things I like about the Rancor's reveal is you see that, you know, it's just this toothed maul with these bitty little like almost um, almost insect eyes. They're just little balls like Mm -hmm, a lobster mm -hmm, or something. mm -hmm. A lobster is a good way to describe it. Um, And then his his arms are lanky, but they're like almost as tall as he is. Like, they're way too long for yeah, his anatomy. Yeah, definitely not human proportions going on here. And he's got these nice, really sickle claws mm-hmm. at the end of that. Mm-hmm. He's like the, what the T-Rex wants to be. He, yeah, no, the T-Rex dreams of Rancor arms. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so... So Jubnug is in trouble because the Rancor has decided that, well, there's easy food, and then there's that dude in black over there. Well, go with the easy food first. And like you said, the Gamorrean probably looks more appetizing. It smells of bacon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Slower target, easy to get to. I'm on board with what the Rancor does here. Right, so the Rancor goes and picks up Jubnug, and we basically... We, we see him being thrown into the Rancor's mouth, but we don't really see it because, well, the Rancor is a puppet, so it doesn't really have a space for that to go. So we just sort of but they cut and hear squealing. But crunching sound as his yeah. mouth comes down, which I do find, even still to this day, like, oh, that's good. That's like, yeah. it gets me squeaming a little bit. That, that's the classic film. We sold it with sound. Mm-hmm. You, you hear <clears throat> the Gamorrean getting eaten more than you actually see it. And then it cuts to Luke and Luke's like, oh. As he's like, oh, no, that's going to happen to me if I don't do something. Mm-hmm. And then the Rangor, you kind of just see it, like, pushing the foot of Jum yeah. the only part it has in. And then he's like, still hungry, starts turning towards Luke. Yeah. Very slowly, <laughs> very purposefully. Uh, you know, Luke doesn't look too worried, though. I mean, he's gone through a lot in the last year that we haven't seen, we presume. I was going to say, I, I don't want to say that, like, the surprise I'm, I'm giving is more of the, huh, this is new. I wasn't planning on this. Yeah, he has Not so much that... He's at any level, like, out of his element that he can't uh, figure it out. And that is exciting. You know, as a kid, Mm -hmm. I didn't really, other than the cool new outfit and the kind of spooky attire, you know, the the way he carried himself, the way he talked, you could tell he felt different. But as a kid, you know, five, six years old, seeing this for the first time, I didn't realize he force choked those Gamorrean guards. Like, that totally went over my head. So this was the first time we're really seeing him do something yeah i mean you could describe it well when you consider the last time we see the last time you saw him he was uh had a cauterized wound of a hand a stub he's holding as he's hanging on this tv antenna beneath the cloud city going "Ah!" and then he eventually gets into the millennium falcon and he's basically on the bed going like i can sense my dad this is weird like he's almost like out of his mind the last time we see him. Then yeah. he gets a new robot arm and he's like, let's look through the window. And that's pretty much all we see. Like we don't really get any, any sense that he's going to become the character we are introduced right. to in the beginning you of Return of the Jedi. You can tell he's grown after what happened to Cloud City at the end there of Empire, but everything else is a mystery. And now here we are seeing Luke do amazing things. What I love here specifically when it turns to just Luke and the Rancor, you have the John Williams score that is menacing, but still has some of those triumphant beats worked in every time Luke, you know, puts the bone in the Rancor's mouth or when he uh, ducks under him to run into the next room. Yeah. And I mean, the thing about it that's nice is you you hear a lot of beats of the main theme because the main theme, it's kind of weird to think about it now, but um, the main theme is Luke's theme. It is the theme for Luke Skywalker. It wasn't until episode one that they decided that, I guess it's the theme for the whole trilogy because John Williams was thinking about changing the main theme for the prequels because he's like, well, that's Luke's theme, which is insane to think about like a Star Wars movie not opening with the fanfare. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Well, I mean, now. It'd be crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So but so it's nice that when Luke like he grabs that bone and the rancor comes down and he just jams it into the into the uh you know, the soft palate of the rancor and then gets its kind of jaw like stuck with that we get a little bit of the theme of, you know, da 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 because like Luke's doing something Mm -hmm. and you know, you said earlier, like, he, he kind of goes for, like, the blaster and stuff. But, like, I think the biggest thing about it at this point is, as far as we know, Luke doesn't have a lightsaber because he lost his. Oh, uh, that's true. Which means he that's doesn't get true. another one. You don't go to, yeah. you can't just go on Amazon and order a lightsaber. Yeah. So, as far as Fair we know. Point, we had no idea yet. He doesn't get to have a lightsaber. So, I did not think of that at all. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, then he runs under the Rancor's feet. The Rancor uh, forces that bone down hard enough that it snaps. <laughs> Another great sound effect there. Luke runs into the monster closet where this thing lives, which when you think about it, why would it just stay in this room that's just about big enough to hold it and nothing else? Um, And he swings through the door and then he gets to this blast door that opens up and then it reveals that, oh, nope, there's like a barred door behind that. So he can't get out there. There's the two handlers just kind of like, you're going to die because there's nowhere to go. And the Rancor turns around and it starts lumbering back to where it started, where Luke is. Luke turns around and sees a very conveniently put switch that controls the door and he picks up a rock and... uh, wheels it up in his left hand and then left hand it overthrows it 
hits the button just as the Rancor is coming through. That Portocollis drops, stabs the Rancor right in the neck, pushes it down to the ground. The Rancor tries to fight it for a little bit, but just expires and we see like a blood come out of its nose and drool come out of its mouth and we're like yep that thing's super dead luke did what he had to do you never want to kill something that's connected to the living force but some things channel the dark side or you know sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to survive in this cruel galaxy and then luke sort of completely losing his opportunity it's kind of like yeah i did that and leia's up there going like good work and then the two rancor guys come in and luke totally like has an opportunity to just push them to the side and go out but he doesn't and uh the one uh guard just kind of grabs him and pushes him against the wall as the other one lumbers forward and starts to cry oh malakili he Malik- is is that his name he... of course he has a name uh, right it doesn't it's the best part um... of star wars <laughs> It Every, really is. Thanks to Kenner, everything has a name. And I love it. <laughs> um, gives nerds like us something to talk about. Yes. So, he's upset. And honestly, this is one of the things that has gotten harder and harder for me to watch as I've grown older. This is sad. This guy who just loves his rancor. <laughs> you know, he's just brutally been uh, impaled by a door, you know, crushed by a door. Uh, he was crushed by the one thing that this this man probably used to keep him tame. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, the story you know, from a certain point of view that uh-huh. involves the Rancor Keeper? Yes. I should have read it again before yeah, we did yeah. this. I, I, we were thinking so narrow about just the Rancor fight specifically, which only lasts about three minutes, by the way. But as a yeah. kid, it felt like 15 well, it's a good it's a good action beat, especially because a lot of that movie is a lot of posturing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of more about like surprise, like when Leia frees Han, and then we realize that uh oh, like they they're caught. Like yeah, it, it doesn't really. There's I nothing have really said for a action-y. long time that you know, Return of the Jedi has weird pacing. It yeah. feels a little odd when you compare it to how well, fast paced the New Hope was and how purposeful Empire felt. This feels like you really have a lot of buildup and then some action, and then you're really just building suspense. I don't really consider the speeder bike. I mean, that is a decent action sequence, but really, this action is going to hold us over for the most part till the final battle. Well, I mean, the speeder bike chase is really good action beat, but I mean, the biggest thing about it is the original trilogy was based on old serials and stuff, and they all of them at some level feature sort of these almost chapter breaks that you don't see in most movies. Like the entire first act of return of the Jedi is the Jabba palace adventure. Right. right? And then there, like you can make the sail barge almost a separate episode, like of this TV show, if you will. And then there's the meeting of the rebels. And then it, then there's the landing, of the show of Tidarium, And then there's stuff happening on Endor. Then the stuff happening in the, like it's a very segmented story. Um, and you know, this beat would probably be, Luke, like, like getting pulled away from the Rancor Guard, and then Jabba going like, oh, you'll pay for this next time on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It does feel the most episodic. Every segment feels like it's followed through with. Yeah, and because yeah. we pretty much go from this of, of Jabba just being basically pulled in front... I'm sorry, Luke being pulled in front of Jabba and Han's getting pulled in front of him and Jabba basically just saying like, okay, you killed my pet. I'm super mad. We're going to take you out to the pit of Carcoon and gonna throw you in there. You're Not going to die. them right there. They have to suffer. They have to suffer. They have to suffer. Digesting in the belly of the great beast Sarlacc for whatever it is, 10,000 years or whatever. Uh, I think he'll be very dead before very that. very long but period of time. It, whatever Boba Fett suffers, however yeah. long he's in there. <sighs> so... So the Rancor, you know, there were some things when it came to the production. Originally was going to be a man in a suit. Mm-hmm. Eventually turned into a puppet, you know, a rod-controlled puppet. Yeah, kind uh, of a, almost like a maquette for some of the stop motion and stuff. So they also filmed it incredibly fast. So they could slow it down and make the mm-hmm. actions look more purposeful, right? Oh, yeah. No, was, that correctly, yeah. When I was at Celebration, they did a whole thing. I, I have I have a video of it of, like, what frame rate you need to film things in miniature and what scale they have to be at. Because uh, okay. they did so much miniature work, especially in episode one, which all came from the miniature work they did with the ships and the creatures and the OT of, yeah. like, 
there's a certain way you speed up the film or slow it down to make it match normal film at one-to-one scale. Um, and so, yeah, so you, you, you can play around with that. The speed of bike chase, they basically did the opposite, which was like, um, Walk really slow and then speed it up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also, I have to take that back. You're right. The speeder bike chase is a great action beat. I just, it's different. It, it, it's more, yeah. it's more, it's more yeah. adventure because it's a chase. It's not yeah. like, this is a straight up fight. Luke has nothing and has to kill this thing. And, and he does. I think actually that's one of the most interesting things about this is Luke doesn't use any force powers. Like, so we don't, we really don't know what's going on with Luke. He does the force choke, which, as you mentioned, I don't notice until an adult. And even to this day, my brain says, oh, yeah, well, it's like a sleeper hold because, I mean, he's a good guy. He wouldn't just mm-hmm, kill him like his mm-hmm. dad would. Mm-hmm. Um, he does use the force to pull the blaster. Yep. But the second he's down there, he fights it fair. Now, okay, so I always took it, especially as okay. I got older, that that throw, that rock, you have to use the force. There's no way. I don't know. He's he, uh, the weird thing about it is he throws it southpaw because it looks better to the camera as him throwing it in front of the camera. Is Mark Hamill not left-handed? Uh, I don't know what Mark Hamill is, but Luke has generally, I think, shown as right-handed because hmm. I mean that's why his dominant hand gets cut off. Right, right. And if nothing else, if I had a robot hand to throw a rock that would save my life or an organic hand, I'm trusting the robot hand. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'm going to guess it's a little more accurate or at least a little stronger, a little more whip in the the wrist there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he likes to feel it. He likes to feel the force flowing through that rock. Let's just put it this way. There's no of the air rushing sounds they often use with force pushes and stuff like that. There's no um, particular, I think... If he uses the force, then it's just because he's correcting his own aim. There's no, I don't think, obvious sign that the force was needed to do that. Yeah, totally fair. Totally agree. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, I think, I just think it's cool because the Rancor is definitely one of the most important characters because it's the first, like, creature of that scale. Star Wars is now populated by tons of them, but, like, it's like, well, Wampas are, like, big dudes. Like, this thing's a this whole is different as tall level. This is a building. I mean, this is. This isn't just imposing. It's impossible to any human-sized character that would come up against it. Yeah, like if you took later in the movie an ATST and put it against this guy, they would be be a pretty good fight. Yeah, I mean, there are some Star Wars video games that can scratch that itch for you. Oh, that's true. Yes, that's true. That has yeah, to happen at some point. Because Force Unleashed, Unleashed has right? about more Rancors oh, than you could game. ever need. That game is simultaneously my favorite and my least favorite Star Wars game. I have such a Love complex relationship love. with it yeah oh you know one thing i really like about the rancor we didn't mention this one what's the name of the keeper um Melikili. you know he's probably the guy who put the gold earring inside the rancor's ear <laughs> or horn or whatever that is <laughs> i love that little touch because it, it reminds you this is a domesticated creature even mm-hmm. as dangerous it is mm-hmm. is someone is keeping this thing yeah because it's got you know it's got a little 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 bling i love it all right, so there's one important thing we have to talk about when it comes to the Rancor. Yeah. Why don't we have it in six-inch scale in the Black Series, Hasbro? I want a giant Rancor. If you can give me a giant TIE fighter. Well, that's because you... Okay, first off, you want everything in the six-inch scale. Well, I, I get do. it. That's fair. You won't be happy till everything that's ever been produced in the vintage line has been come, moved over to the six-inch scale. I feel like we've got to be... We're, we've got to be beyond. There are more six-inch figures now than there are vintage. There has to be. Oh, I'm talking about Not like... Not counting I'm, Ewoks and... Uh, oh, Ewoks oh, oh. And, uh, yeah, you could be right. But I mean, I think through right. Power of the Force, I think, I think we're well beyond that. I don't know, do we have Yak Face? Do we have? <laughs> I didn't prepare for this. This has gone in a direction. Do we have Max Rebo expecting. band? Do we have? We don't have or... a Max Rebo six inch. Boy, would I like that. The whole I mean, band. When you add all the clone troopers, I'm sure we are. And Max Rebo SDCC two pack that cost me two hundred dollars on the aftermarket. Give me that. I'm down. But I want the special edition one that has like Ristola and all the backup dancers as well. And that one guy oh, who does the drum. I, I want the guy who does the drum. Snysoodles, Max Rebo, and his keyboard. Honestly, Max Rebo oh. and uh, uh, Sly McCool. Yeah, is oddly Sly enough, McCool? something like uh, that is the guy who plays the the. Yeah, that sounds right. The saxophone like instrument. There, Droopy is in his name or something. Oh, Droopy McCool. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, that's right. Droopy we'll, McCool. We'll have to talk about and Snysoodles. Uh, I was getting those. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk about that scene eventually. Uh, yeah, yeah. You Both know, incarnations. The, the, the guy that played uh, that Jabdak, the uh, Gamorian who met an untimely end. Yeah. Also played Max Rebo. I believe. Oh. 
That's pretty cool. I don't have a source for that one, but I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, there's only so many puppeteers on that set. Yeah, someone's got to do it. So They didn't have Simon Pegg back then getting into the uncomfortable suits. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, I think it's a great little scene. I think it's interesting because, again, I think it's one of those ideas that, that, like, sailed a thousand ships. We're not going to get into it, but, like, the EU went with Rancors and, like, well, where did they come from? What what kind of planet would have those on? And just went nuts. We already talked about Force Unleashed has, like, 17 varieties of them. Uh, The Rancor just sort of ended up being, like, the, the... the kind of stand-in for like a dinosaur or dragon for Star Wars for a while. That and the imagining where the Cryat dragon would be, the skeleton we saw on Tatooine. Yes. Those turn into like the big beasts of Star mm-hmm. Wars for a real long time. Mm-hmm. Until we get a real-life mythosaur. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That, is that even canon anymore? I I don't know. Well, there's some pretty big creatures in uh, underneath Naboo, so you you could probably uh, get some some big things like that. that. Yeah. There always is a bigger fish. Boy, I do like the Rancor. You know, it it's, it's a cool creature. Kind of flies under the radar for me sometimes. I kind of forget until I'm watching it. But boy, I really do like the Rancor. I like all of Jabba's palace a lot. Well, Jabba's palace is a, just a rewarding thing because it's like, okay, guys, what if we took the cantina and jacked it up to eleven? Yeah, because it's so much weirder than even the cantina was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they it was more creatures than they'd ever done before, right? It was the right. biggest thing Neil Scanlon's shop had ever attempted. Yep. Oh, boy. The Rancor is pretty great, Mac. I think we can leave it at that, right? Yep. And unfortunately, he's dead. But that's okay. There's people like Roxy the Rancor and, and some of the groups in the costuming that have made that man-in-a-suit version <laughs> of the Rancor work. Uh, so, the Rancor lives on. talented like that, huh? To have disposable income and, like, an entire room to dedicate to storage for that. Yeah. One day. One day. One day. The problem is just going to go get find, like, a vintage 12-inch so you have the right scale for the thing you hold. (laughs) Got to go get your Mego collection ready for that to work. Oh, boy. You know, Migos are back. Well, they were. I don't know how long they lasted, but... How depressing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we'll ever talk about Migos on this. Uh... I only know Migos really from uh, Twisted Migo Theater and Toy Fair when I used to read that magazine, back when magazines mm-hmm, were a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not familiar. And on that, that relatively rancorless moment. <laughs> yeah, we, we are out of things to say about the rancor. Let's it was really good. One. It's yeah. great. All right. With that, we're going to move on to something else. <laughs> all right. We're back with another topic. This one is going to be all about... The phrase Roger Roger. Oh boy. Do I love Roger Roger. Roger Roger. We're going to be talking about battle droids. Uh, kind of specifically, we're going to stick to the main line. There are some, yeah, there's some other ones we'll mention. The battle droids we see in episode one. The yes. Phantom Menace. Now, the fun thing about this is, I, I'm talking around this a little bit, but that's because there's at least. Two battle droid models running around in there, which... And we are not counting droidicas here. Yeah, we're not going to talk about droidicas. We're not going to talk about... Well, I'll mention them later, but there is another type of battle droid I'll just mention. And we are not getting into the video games, which made a whole bunch of new ones. And we're not getting into the Clone Wars, which also has some extra ones that have come out. We're mostly just focusing, again, on just the film versions. So, um, basically, we first see battle droids at the very beginning of Episode 1. The consular ship, the the Republic cruiser, comes into the docking bay, sits down, and there's a bunch of the droid starfighters, later known as vulture droids, Mm -hmm. and the, um, the, well, it's a mix. So, there are two types of battle droids we see in Episode 1. There's the OOMs, and there's the B1s, which are basically indistinguishable from each other. It's... There's a whole reason in canon that it's messed up. But basically, if they have color on them, they're a specialist and they're probably an OOM droid. And if they are not, if they're just the normal bone white kind of ones we're used to, those are probably B1s. You would describe them as bone white? Oh, that's how I always saw that color, that tan kind of white they're made out of. Yeah. Bone white. Yeah. Like like tan. Like. Well, yeah. Have you ever seen an actual like physical bone? (laughs) Mean. They're not white. They're not. They're not plaster white. They're definitely no, got a tan, not, meaty like color that to them. Dark. I, I mean, know. I would consider the walls in this room were in tan. And is that the color well, of my bone? That's, I've never, that's great I've for television. This is radio. I've never seen one of my own bones outside of my body. Luckily. 
Well, I've not seen my own either. But <laughs> You've seen someone else's? But I, I thought, I, I guess that doing? was maybe the first impression I had of Battle Droids was that they were skeletal. So maybe okay. that's where I'm. Maybe that's where that connection got severed. You know, yeah. attached to my sure head. Are you sure you're not just thinking about the battle droid, Mister Bones? Is that? Oh, there's that too. But maybe they're. He's maybe they. The prequels, well, though. maybe they see it the same way I do. Maybe he calls him Mister Bones because they see it like bone white, like I do. Okay, fair enough. I'm okay, gonna, so so right, so we'll off white, creamy tan. <laughs> yep. You've uh, all seen battle droids. Yes, and they, they and they're basically just walking around the hangar, and then from there we just see them all over the place. They go to destroy it, the Jedi after they've been gassed. In a lot of way, they're, yeah, they're there to be cut down. And a fun thing about it is they're very important to the filmmaking of this because they're the first all digital characters we deal with that interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Because other than that, we see um, the C three PO droid. Was it Q three PO? I think it is oh, the silvery three PO <laughs> is um, with a female uh, personality. That's a person in a suit. Oh my! Yeah. yeah. So, so when they come out and the Jedi attack the the battle droids, that's the first like choreography with a digital character mm-hmm. at that level of sophistication. Yeah. There were no practical battle droids used in the film. They had a few models for reference. They had pieces that would be strewn about the set so the yeah. actors could step around them, right? But there was never actually. Uh, puppeted or obviously not a costumed. It was all CGI yeah, as when it say, comes to the battle droids, right? I, I, I believe so. I think everything is, I mean, I think like you said, I think there was just parts used for reference or when they physically had to see something. But in general, like it's all, you know, like if a battle droid dies, then they pick up their gun and the gun is real. Like it's usually a prop switch exactly, from digital to, to real. Exactly. I mean, at first I thought, I had read something that they had never even made a full-scale practical droid, you know, a full model of one. Yeah. But then there's that scene in the From the Beginning special feature documentary for Episode 1 where George Lucas is giving Steven well, Spielberg an overview of the droid, and they have a full model there. In front oh, I of bet them. you I bet it was a full-scale model because the way they were doing digital at the time was digital was not where it is now. So they generally didn't make the assets digital only. Right, you had they, to have a reference. Yeah, they started with references. Reference. So my guess is that they probably built that full-size battle droid for two reasons. To feel the scale out, like to make sure that uh-huh. this is what it should the be next to a person. Work and, yeah. and then they probably photogrammically, like, you know, scanned that as a starting place for the model. Or that a place sense, to yeah. reference the model against something physical. But I, I think you're right. I, I think that was only, that's that's just a statuette kind of thing. It's just, it's a... It's a piece of art more than it was a practical yeah. part of the filmmaking. That's my interpretation of all the material I've read about it as well. Now, the thing about it is this movie is the only one that features that the Trade Federation's order of these droids. A lot of the OOMs are essentially previous models of this line. They are not as um, generic. Mm-hmm. They're not universal soldiers. There are ones that are like have red and blue and yellow and on them. And they perform a task. Yeah, they're right? focused on being either like a tank pilot or a commander or a yeah. pilot. Um they're not generic. Now there they're are the generic infantry. ones. Yeah, there are generic ones and in current canon the way I understand it versus what it was in 99 uh, is that the B ones are the generic ones. The B ones are just the general shock troops. They're the ones that come out of the MMT at the end, get folded out. Favorite scenes in any. It's very good. The sounds there are amazing. That is breathtaking is the way I would describe it. I love it. In 99, it was amazing because we had never seen like an infantry battle like that in Star Wars. The Battle of Hoth is a bunch of infantry guys in a in a trench fighting tanks. Yeah, a bunch of guys running away. Really right, right. You you anything. don't you don't see like we have the the Gungan army with their shield generations, they have their postures, they have their shields, they have their cestas, yeah. they're all ready to fight. And then the enemy says, Oh, we can do that too and puts out these perfect road formations because they unfold out of this mechanism. And then they all just in unison go back, grab their guns, pull them forward, and then just death march right at the Gungans and right through the shields. You want to watch the last 30 minutes of episode one after this, Mac? I kind of do. Yeah, like, it's really good. <laughs> Actually, um, I'm going to watch the whole So thing the thing with the battle droids is, so there's the OOMs, like I said, that do that. And then there's the B1s, which are your normal troops. And the B1s are the ones that go on through the rest of the series. They're the ones that fight the Clone War. They're the ones that we see on Geonosis. Yeah. They're the ones that we see pretty much from on here. Now, 
Quick EU note. When I understood this originally, OOM was the name of the battle droids in episode one. The B-1, as far as I know, didn't exist until episode two, where they sort of said, well, there's a design flaw with the original battle droids of when you destroy their control ship, they go limp. They don't have independent processors. They can't work on their own. So the B-1s are the improved versions that have their own processors, can work independently, um, but that also makes them quirkier, like why, why they can have sort of like dumb personalities as we see them go forward. And it was also to differentiate them from the B-2s, which are the super battle droids we see at the Battle of Geonosis. But I guess in hindsight or current canon or at some point, someone rewrote the story and the B-1s are processorless. They're, they're using remote processors at the Battle of Naboo. So I guess the OEMs and the B-1s are both in episode one and who cares where they are except for nerds like me. Yeah, I'm glad someone besides me had to look all this up because I just like them. I know very well, little about the rest of that. Well, we've talked before. I, I love troops. So right. the second I saw that there were like red, blue, and yellow ones, I'm like, oh, what's those jobs? I'm fascinated with that kind of stuff. And I just want to know if I can buy them in three and three quarter inch. Right, right. <laughs> and so if I remember correctly, I think it's yellow are commanders, blue are pilots, and I think red are like the drivers for the tanks or something yeah. like that. Well, it's you it's more about right job. Or you're not, but I don't know. Not oh, to this- correct you. Um, and then all the all the white the white ones the ones that don't have any identification are your normal troops and the thing about it is I adored the look of them from the second because I saw them because it was one of the early touchstones with uh, episode one because um, I, uh, I I I I walked two miles to a Kmart to buy a stap that had uh, the battle droid hanging off the back yep. and I just remember thinking especially the head was so alien. It's it's like a like a spy versus spy character. It's just this kind of this cone yep. that's all there is to it. That was the first toy released from episode one, right? It was like a preview. I think so. Yeah, it was, it was like the a... battle droid riding the staff. It had that great clear base, yep. which I wish we would get on more vehicles and ships. We're getting it more now. Uh, it had the missiles that fired the button in the bottom, and it also the battle droid kind of bucked when you pressed the button. Yeah, because yeah. it had it had these loose like just. Mm-hmm. Um, hung arms like the arms would just go limp next to it but it allowed it to kind of like ride going up and down yeah. or hey, bucking if you it. left the rubber bands on those arms were not limp they were attached well <laughs> well Mine 99 on the I, bike for a while i don't think it did forever i just remember uh needing to get more of them because i wanted to have fights with uh that battle droid and that battle droid was kind of like I'm super wide stanced and my arms are limp. I'm not intimidating at all. <laughs> and that's also where we find the interesting. The other thing I find interesting about the battle droids is they, they have boots like their feet have heels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is such a weird little Walking thing around like Prince in those boots. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like Luke in episode six, like with oh, that, that yeah, high he heel does have that lift. Yeah. Yeah. More popular in the eighties, I guess. Yeah, it made you taller. Yeah. Um, but the thing that's interesting about the Bad Droids is they are probably one of the most populous things in Star Wars. I mean, at points during the franchise, we see millions of them um, between like the Battle of Geonosis. All the Clone Wars feature them as the primary infantry. And uh, I mean, the other thing about it is I just think that... Uh, I think it's just a cool, endearing design, and I think episode two, I mean, I think some of it was working backwards, because I think originally the Nemoidians was supposed to have the insect look, and that's where the battle droids came from, and then they changed the way the Nemoidians looked, and so in in going to episode two, they were like, okay, we're going to show the Geosnosis, these, these weird ant, wasp, bug things, and you go, oh, those are what those are modeled off of. Okay, they make sense now because they look like Geonosians, you know, in the abstract. Yeah. So let me ask you a question about battle droids. Shoot. Besides all of their fantastic moments in the prequel trilogy yeah. and all of the other material that's come since, do you feel threatened by them when they're marching on the Gungan army in episode one, when they're guarding so, feed? Do you feel they're threatening? Yes. Especially with how easy the Jedi cut through them. So, yes. And here's the reason. I feel they're threatening in the same way that other toy lines made things threatening that are robots like bats from freaking G.I. Joe. They talk about the bats don't have good friend or foe, so they usually just leave them when they're retreating because they'll just shoot anything. And that's the thing about it is a droid has this big art cannon like 
The yep. blaster the droids have is huge compared to them. And it's <laughs> the on E5, these right? spindly E5? little... I think it is. That's and it's like... It. Yeah, because it has a, a really big stocky barrel on it. I just answered a question about weapons. Wow. Go for you. I'm learning from you. Uh-huh. And, and, and so I think it's just one of the things... They're on these spindly arms. They don't really... They barely have eyes. They look painted on. So, like... This thing is terrifying because it's just like it's it's like a garbage disposal just let loose. Like it's just this robot that can shoot at any place. It just seems inherently dangerous. Yeah. Not because it isn't fragile, but because it just seems sporadic. It seems like it could just go nuts. I mean, great example is the the we're taking these people to Coruscant. Um, uh, Coruscant does not compute. Uh, shoot them. Yeah. Like you're that's, under arrest. That's, that's where its yeah. level of programming goes. It's like, I'm confused. Uh, abort, retry, fail. No, just kill them. <laughs> so I think yeah. from that perspective, when you consider like a couple hundred of these marching at you, it's not that any one particular one's scary. It's just that it's scary how disposable and how, how inhuman they are. They are just toasters. There's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be a tidal wave. They are yes. coming after you. You will last for a while. I mean, the Gungans don't have any right to be a match for them because right. of the difference between their the weapons technology. and the technology that the Trade Federation Army has. But they last a long time. They put up a really good fight. They have a good yep. strategy. Uh, I love those weapons that the Gungans use against the battle droids there. Uh, at that, what, what is the name of that battle? Does that battle have a name? Does that grassy field have a I think name? It's, so I think it's just generally referred to as the Battle of Naboo, which includes the palace that fight and this. That would make sense. That would make sense. A battle on multiple fronts, right? And it's the first time that, in theory, the Naboo are fighting as one people. Because it's the Gungans right, and the, the humans. united front that they're... Yeah, both species. Makes sense. Okay. So we have these battle droids. They are fighting. They're overwhelming the Gungans. Jar Jar has given up. And all of a sudden... With a triumphant shot, Anakin Skywalker basically does a cool trick. He does a cool trick, and he, uh, for our purposes, wipes out the droid army. For all the purposes that matter, he stops. Yes, them he from takes being out functioned. the cloud, which takes down all of the takes computers attached to yeah. the uh, cloud. Yeah, it, boy, John Connor could use his help. Oh yeah, no, that's exactly that is exactly what happens. They do destroy the orbital space platform, uh -huh. controlling all of the. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I found that weird as a kid watching the movie. I found that a little odd. Just saying that okay, these battle droids are all controlled by a hive mind. Yeah. But it really makes a lot of sense. I really oh, yeah. like it. It's it's a weakness that they see. And in that 10 years between episode one and two, we see that the droids are improved. They become they much more it. menacing. Like you said, the super battle droids that are to come later oh, are terrifying. SPDs are terrifying. Yeah. It, I like the battle droids a lot. You know, I like the prequels. I, I, I love the prequels. You know, they're... Uh, I mean, I have nothing but good things generally to say about almost yeah. every Star Wars movie. But... The battle droids in particular are such a strong memory for me of my childhood. The toys that went along with them. They're some of the first things we saw, or at least yeah. some of the first things I remember seeing from episode one. All of the technology that went along with them, like the stab and the tanks and the landers. And MMTs and everything. And ATs. Thank you for filling that in for me. Uh, I'm glad you know I didn't know that. That's offhand. okay. Um, That's what I'm here for. Yeah, beautiful. So... Boy, I just, I really like the battle droids. I don't know. I don't really even know how else to get my point across. I just really like them a lot. Yeah, and, and I think they've also been used very well as a menacing villain when, especially if you look at, uh, like, the Clone Wars, there's the Maleficent, uh, no, the Ma Malevolent trilogy with the giant ship that has, like, the side cannon on it. Yeah. There's the part where they're just drifting in space in the, in the escape pods, and there's just a group of battle droids, all voiced by Matt Wood, as they've always been, <laughs> just, like, going... Going like, look, there's survivors. Let's pop the hatch. Okay. And Roger, Roger, pop the hatch and people die. Reminding you of the most menacing thing to me about the battle droids is they're not people. They're soulless. They're yeah. completely soulless. You can kill 100,000 of them. Mm -hmm. They will never get scared. Mm -hmm. They will keep marching. They will keep following their program forever. They're Terminators, like you pointed out. They're great. F flimsy Terminators, but what Terminators. A, what a great addition. I love seeing them get cut down by lightsabers. They're very good for see that. see the, the heat go through them. You know, they have that charred end, uh, you know, since they don't have cauterized skin. They just, 
I like them. I think they were great. I think they're a true and I think they're very flash em- of genius on Lucas's part totally. to include something cool, something that we like to see it cut down. We don't feel bad when Jedi destroy them, which yep. you know he stated has been a big purpose of that is to not have a bunch of humans getting cut in half by lightsabers, right? Yep. I, and Doug Chang's design for them is great because it, it's it's very emblematic of how different this trilogy was going to be. It's like when you saw that in the N1 Starfighter, you're like, oh, oh, oh Star Wars has no, a whole no, new don't get language. Me started on the N1. Do not get me started. But I'm just on my saying those were right some now. of the yeah. first imagery we saw of this franchise and could see that like, yeah. yes, this was Star Wars, but this was a new Star Wars. Yeah, something different. All right. Well, I think that's enough about the uh, OOM and uh, the B1 battle droid by the Geonosian droid works. I think we can kind of go away from that for now. Roger, Roger. <laughs> so did you guys know Yoda has two houses? Because- I... I, I do, but it's I only know it's, it's a new thing, right? You were really excited to talk about this. And honestly, never crossed my mind uh, until you brought it up that this could be a good topic. But boy, I'm excited. So, Mac, what do you know about Yoda's other house? So I didn't ever think there was such a thing until uh, we just had the, the canon novel, which you'll hear us talk about a lot because we absolutely adore it. And I think it's one of the biggest info dumps of new canon is from a certain point of view, where it's all these little vignettes of different things happening around the galaxy, each one connected to a moment that happens in the original New Hope in chronological order. So we go all kinds of places, but it all starts with like, you know, the first thing is like learning about, uh, you know, the uh, the guy that Vader chokes out. And then the next thing is like the guy who decides not to shoot the escape pod. And like mm-hmm. we're learning all more about the Star Wars, but there's a moment where we have Alderaan, right? And then where it kicks off is not the destruction of Alderaan. It's him sensing it. I think that's where the the, the, the story itself. Yeah, I think that's where the the moment of pickup wasn't it? No, no. So the story which we're referring to is called "There Is Another," written by Gary D. Schmidt. Uh, no, it, it really starts off just with him reflecting his time on Dagobah. You know. Yeah, so, but but where did it connect chronologically as we went through the short stories? Okay, so where did the story before it previously end? Is that what you're asking? Kind of, because like I said, they they loosely follow. The jumping points are usually always connected. Well, here's the point. There's a story (laughs) inside, like you just mentioned, where it talks about um, Yoda and where Yoda is during the events of New Hope. And at the time, we learn that Yoda is moving from his one house to his other house. Because of the weather. Yeah, because they kind of established that like Dagobah has seasons, and one of the big things about the seasons are the seasons cause all kinds of changes to the water levels. So like one of his houses is like underwater for an entire part of the year. And And then he, the house he's in currently in this story is going to be too hot for little old Yoda. Yeah. Cause it's like up in the highlands. Yeah. And I do have an answer here. It takes place in the story right after the story time of death. Which uh, we talked about a little bit when we discussed Wada, which one day maybe we'll get to hear. <laughs> uh, but basically, uh, it's right after Obi Wan fights Vader on the Death Star. Oh, okay. And the whole story. Oh, is, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's yep. through the it's through the eyes of Yoda uh, discussing his migration from one house to the other. But what's really interesting about this story is really. Throughout him talking about his houses, we learn a little bit about him and what he's got in those houses. So, for example, he's got a blanket made from Gwygon's old cloak. Uh, right. Presumably the blanket we see him fade away from in that story, right? So I yeah. think it's presumably what we see in Return of the Jedi when Yoda becomes one with the Force. Right. Uh, a pot made by Obi-Wan. Yes. He has his... Uh, Kane that he mentioned started out as a joke with the younglings, kind of a Willy Wonka esque move. Yeah, and now as an older person, he needs it. Yes. So this is an interesting one because it just adds so many little details, and we're not even going to talk about the plot of the story, which right. is basically Yoda uh, with an internal monologue thinking about how great it would have been if he would have gotten to train Leia. Yeah. Which is just amazing. And we'll talk about that another time when we do a 40 part series on from a certain point of view, every short story. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm ready for it when you are. Um, <laughs> let's just turn this podcast into the From a Certain Point of View podcast. Well, let's just leave it with hashtag From a Certain Point of View Empire Strikes Back Edition. Yeah, but- we need a fancy title, a catchy title for that one. It can't be From a Certain Point of View 2. Uh, no, it would be From a Certain Point of View 5. <laughs> Implying that there wouldn't be nine of these before uh-huh, we're done. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like it's just such a good Fury format. Star Wars novels. It is. Yeah. It needs to come back. All but right, I, Del Rey, I get think, on it. I think you're right. It's very cool because we, we you know, take it, but we see only a little tiny pocket of it. Because in the 80s, it's really hard to build that set. So it's basically that... That same, like, mm-hmm. you know, half a soundstage of Swamp repeated over and over again in just different camera angles and stuff. So it's this very dark, dank, wet, yeah. slimy, lowland swamp. And the novel kind of talks about, well, the whole planet is kind of a swamp. But, like, there are high parts that are much more, like, foresty and, and, and mm-hmm. like you say, get hot mm-hmm. too hot during the year because as the different you know, uh, as it moves on its pole, just like we have seasons, it, it changes how things work. And so he has other houses because he needs to essentially migrate a couple of times every year. Yeah. He says something like, I won't be back here for eight more cycles, you know, right. Uh, which was an interesting little line I thought. Uh, and then the hut that we do see in empire strikes back, you know, the, the where we originally believe Yoda's only residence was on Dagobah. Yeah. It's, a very interesting experience. I mean, obviously, it's tailored to his height. You yes. have to presume that he built it, so he built it for his height. I mean, that wasn't there, I'm sure. Yep. You have R2 peeking in through the window, really more R2 size. You have Luke hunched over, you know, pulling snakes away and, you know, <laughs> scooping the, what I like to describe as porridge. I don't know what the it gruel. actually is. Yeah, the, the gruel. So we have a very sparse building. Yoda is, at this point, we still believe a hermit living very simply it's not for a few more moments that we learn he is this great jedi master that luke is looking for well yeah because i mean okay so in the original production of uh ember strikes back they they started with designs that look like almost like a mosque they had an idea of making it look like a little church with like stained glass windows and stuff like that and they pulled back from that for, for two main reasons. One was they started, started thinking it was maybe a little too ostentatious for trying to give the idea that Jedi are very Spartan. You know, they, they, they have a, they're monks. They do not have uh, niceties. They, they only have what they need. Yeah. And the, the second same way we saw Obi-Wan living. Right. Exactly. In, in, not in squalor, but definitely humbly. Right. And in fact, in this story, the one we're talking about, Yoda talks about this, how, the young feel like they need more and more, and then the older you get, the less you need. Right. Yeah, because you hold your memories and yeah. stuff more than... There like, is one interesting part of that, though. Yeah. He talks about the possessions he holds dear. Jedi don't have attachments, right? Can they have attachments to possessions? I mean, they feel things about their lightsaber. Well, Jedi also don't really deal with Force Lightning, but Yoda does. He's special. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. My, I would get... I That's would be more of a guideline than a rule well i think the other thing is if you're yoda and you've been in this solitary confinement essentially i wouldn't be surprised that you start reviewing all of your jedi because your 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 jedi information because your order failed yeah and especially for yoda who leaves he leaves really really defeated at the end of three because the exile i must go yeah because he's he's like he's not only like so disappointed and crushed by order mm-hmm. 66 and the fallout of this and the fall of the Republic yeah. to the empire. I also feel he gets a personal failing of like, I, I ran, I, I escaped. Am, like, I am the master who was in charge when the order fell. Right. And Yoda, we don't know how long he was grandmaster of the Jedi council. He's been yeah, 800 years. He's been training Jedi. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he didn't just come into power a year or two before episode one. So, right. So we you know, consider Yoda's been around for a while. He had been presiding over an incredibly successful time for the galaxy, for the Jedi. Peace, yeah. You know, he was successful. And then all of a sudden in the span of about 13 years, give or take the Sith are back full force under his nose. Yep. Him, Windu, Opo Rancisis, all and, these amazing Jedi who didn't see it coming. And not only is there a Sith Lord, but the Sith Lord bests some of his best Jedi who are going to go mm-hmm. round him up mm-hmm. and bests him 
Not like in a straight fight. It's not like Palpatine like totally wins, but Yoda can't beat Palpatine. He realizes he needs to escape because he it's a battle he can't win. Yeah. Yeah, and so here we are. You know, we needed a reason for Yoda have to go into exile. We knew we had to get there. Uh, and so- I think that explains some of these attachments you're talking about is the fact that he's he's probably spending that time in isolation reviewing and doubting everything and trying to process what went wrong. Could I have done anything differently? What is there still left for me to do? And his attachment is the hope on the Skywalker kids that not necessarily he has any plan or any vision of exactly what's going to happen, but you talk about like, he's thinking about Leia and training her. And it's like, he's reminiscing about these things in his house. He's reminiscing about his friends. Mm -hmm. He's reminiscing about this hopeful idea that maybe the Jedi aren't finished. This life he still yearns for. Right. As he goes down to the other house, which is made of probably the parts of his old skate pod and stuff. And because, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some tech. There's some floor grading. Oh, the thing I was going to say about the other reason they went away from a mosque is they decided they need to make the house really, really small because there's going to have to be a crew of puppeteers under it. And the more <laughs> that Leota has to walk, the harder it is for them to get good camera angles. Yeah. Because you got to have yeah. these big cuts in the floor for that to work. What an amazing production. Oh, yeah. It will never not be impressive, all that Dagobah stuff. No, Dagobah is insanely powerful as far as, like, how much they had to figure out, re-engineer, and how much was... I mean, the classic thing is, like, a foam rubber puppet, is this going to work? And absolutely it does. And it still holds up. Yes. I mean, it looks great when they bring it back in The Last Jedi, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. At least I think it does. Oh, it does. Yeah. It looks fine in CGI. I don't think it's either yeah. it, it, yeah, I like it's CGI or. Yoda. I like CGI Yoda in the prequels because he's meant to feel different. He's meant to feel more lively. He's meant to look a little bit greener. You know? and, and they went maybe a little like too much with the original puppet version that was in episode one that has yeah, been exercised I, from time. But. You know, I, I look back at it now. I remember the Taco Bell toy I had of that original Yoda from episode <laughs> one. I remember seeing that on my VHS copy over and over again. I don't mind it, but I prefer the CGI vision the whole way through that sequel trilogy. But or again, prequel trilogy. I'm sorry. Just knowing that he's holding on to these things, that he has these houses, that there is, um, even though he has the Spartan life, there's artifacts that he owns that aren't in the place he's living right now. Like, you know what I mean? That there's that, like, for instance, we don't ever see Yoda with a lightsaber again. His lightsaber might be at another house. He does not have it actually. Oh, it's did you mention that? Story. It's, it's in been that a story. Uh, lost in the ruins of the Senate chamber, he states, because he would like to give it to Leia. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I think you read it more recently than I did. That was such a good yeah, story. It's only $5 on the bookstore right now. So rather oh. than getting my hard copy off the shelf, I just said uh, a couple bucks to own it on digital. Makes it easier to search. That's one of those ones that I, I'm threatening to go and get the audiobook of, even though I physically read it, just because, oh, yeah. like, as far as I know, it's a full cast where each story is a different actor or actress performing it. As someone who is not a huge fan of audiobooks or audio dramas, that's something I'm going to have to look at, too. Yeah. So, again, uh, the thrust of this is go read a different point of view. From a certain <laughs> so, point From of a view, certain point of view. By 40 different authors, including Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray, tons of amazing talent in this novel. Uh, if you like Star Wars, if you like A New Hope, this is the novel to read. It's pretty great. And we will definitely be drawing more from this as we go forward. But 40 episodes, I'm telling you. It's nice to have in canon some new material we've never had. And one of those is that Yoda has other houses. Good stuff. I love it. I love it. All right. And with that, we're going to leave here. We're going to go to our other house and talk about something else. All right, and we come into the docking bay to finish off another episode of Star Wars All In or or Sway. I think we're 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 preferring Sway as the short version of our name. I'm all right with it. S W A I. The I is a Y. It's it's a thing. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's just not as good as like yeah. Sway. It's like Batman Beyond where they say Sway, except slightly off from that. <laughs> okay. I'm what? I don't. Not going to go to that. No. Okay. <laughs> no, now you Roger, don't like Roger, it. Roger Mac. Okay. 
Um, I think we had some pretty good fun. These were some uh, kind of short but sweet. These are a little yeah, shorter I than really the first segments to talk we did. A long time about the Rancor fight. I wanted to talk a lot about battle droids. You know, we purposefully put some limitations yeah. on both of those topics, thinking they would go a long time, and then they didn't. Well, I think but that's, that's the beauty of this show, Mac. If we end up talking for two minutes about something, all included in a show. If we end up talking yep. for two hours about something, all included in a show. Just wait. Till we talk about porgs. Oh God, that's gonna be one episode. Episode one hundred. Episode. 100. I'm calling it now. <laughs> the all porg. I might episode. not be able to wait that long. The pork. I, I don't. There's no way. You, there's no way you can wait two years before we touch porgs, and that's if we're on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think the thing about it is that that we're trying to do here is this is supposed to be sort of dropping in in a hangout session with some Star Wars nerds that you can hang out with and. We're not going to try and contain any topic to a certain length. We're just going to throw it out there, bat it around for as much as the conversation has steam. And that can be super long. It can be super short. And it, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll stick through it for yeah, we're gonna whatever we can do. We're going to not to talk in circles, give relevant information, go off on a reasonable amount of tangents. Keep bringing it back to center. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try yeah. our best. No promises. But again, you, if this turns into an office podcast in like three or four episodes... I'm not going to stop it. I will. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Star Wars is still better. I'm sure that, you know what, though? I'm fine if you want to have, like, office references to Star Wars as a topic at some point. There are a few Star Wars (laughs) conversations that take place in the office. Maybe that's an April Fool's episode eventually. I I would hope so. Yeah, Mac has planned out, like, six years worth of April Fool's episodes. I don't really know why, but I'm on board. I, I love April Fool's, so this is your warning here at episode... Two <laughs> that uh, uh, when we were get around to April, whatever that is, episode probably be in the teens by then. Sure. If everything goes to plan, something like that. Yeah. You'll see it; it's coming. Or if you're one of those future people, not time stamped to when this was originally released, well, you've probably already heard some. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how people are listening to this. I'm so used to like listening I just to like hope new someone's stuff. Listening. I don't really care how or when they're listening. I hope I just yeah hope someone is. Yeah, if you're listening to this and it's, I don't know, 2025, drop us a line specifically in 2025 about like, I went back and listened to the beginning one. You guys are pretty funny. I would love to hear that. Yeah, uh, yeah please. Yeah. Please do. Please do. We, we accept anything. Please please reference the topics. By, by 2025, we'll have done a lot and we'll have no memory of what we did and what we haven't done. We should probably keep a Star list. How many movies are we going to have in 2025? Uh, the we'll way Disney's the 2021, talk... 2023, 2025? Oh, well, um... Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds... 2021 is the How first How interesting one. is that? Is the 2025 person who's listening or to this, who's going to drop us a line, uh, I hope you do, who's going to message us with the social media we haven't created yet. Mm-hmm. We'll get um, there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, we'll be there by the time you listen to this episode. Hopefully, hopefully there's a sound of me at the end of this episode telling you how to connect to us. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, we're going to fix that. that. So again, again, future man or super duper future woman, you know, in 2025, how weird is it going to be that there's so much going to be different about the galaxy by then? It's like a weird time capsule that we have for ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we're going to have to revisit topics. I don't even know if all of the social media we use right now will be around in 2025. Oh my gosh. What if Twitter finally is killed? Why Twitter? That's the best one. Why are we going after Twitter first? Because it's the most controversial. There, there, there's, let's put it this way. There, there's a certain figure in 2019 who's very prominent there that if anyone has created a, a reason for a bunch of people to want to destroy a yeah. social media, other than Mark Zuckerberg, it yeah, would be him. I was going to say, how could we let Twitter die before Facebook? <sighs> Facebook and Instagram need to be. Well, I don't know. Hey. 2025 future woman tell us what the world of 2025 looks like because here's back vine 2 vine Vine 2 finally launches vine periscope and meerkat we need two or and then by then tiktok will be replaced by something i'm like we are really dating this episode we are horribly dating this episode But Social that's the media fun. is weird, huh? But that's the fun about the, yeah. the past. So you can follow us on Meerkat, Periscope, Vine, uh, Diaspora. What other social medias are all You can there? find me my my Mastodon server. <laughs> you can uh, also check me out on... Uh, is Path still alive? Did they kill Path finally? I think they killed Path. Yeah. I'm posting um, some great stuff on... Dang, uh, we might put so. some pictures on Flickr, who is owned by Yahoo, is now owned by 500 Pixels, and might be owned by someone else by the time you hear this. It might just be dead by the time you hear this. So... Email us at StarWarsAllInAOL.com. Email and, will be still around, and, right? And tell us uh, what your favorite social media is in 2025. 
Yeah, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us. We, we and again, oh, again, please, please remind us of the topics like of this episode and what episode this is, because we, we, there's no yeah. way 2025 me is going to remember what we just said. Yeah. We uh, talk about meandering, huh? Yeah. We, well, we really. But this is the meandering. <laughs> this is the appendices. This is yeah, where we can. Most meander. people have shut this off. Well, here's the thing: we don't have any customer, you know, a customer, <laughs> any listener email to talk about. We don't have any pop culture topics about it because we're all in. We're all in the past. Our, our podcast doesn't even launch. We're recording this ahead of time. Oh, no. I'm breaking the magic. You know what? Before we meander any further. Let's, re- let's, let's just redo let's, this whole. <laughs> let, let's, just, let's, just, let's just cut this off right here. Okay. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm Mac. I'm Ross. Okay. We'll see you next time. And Roger, a, Roger. Yeah. May the force. Ro- yeah. Uh, say it. Say it. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.